From the Moan Broadcast Center, this is Air Talk. Good morning. I'm Larry Mantle. The L.A. Unified School District is holding a news conference soon. We'll bring it to you live. The district's expected to announce its plans for temporarily closing campuses. We'll hear how parents are planning to deal with the closures. We go to you now. Effective Monday, March 16th, we will close all Los Angeles Unified Public Schools for two weeks when we evaluate the appropriate path forward. While our school facilities will be closed, Plans are in place for students to continue to learn during this time. And we will open 40 family resource centers throughout the community to provide care for children if families need it. That a voicemail uh, that was sent out to LAUSD parents, a recorded message from Superintendent Austin Butner. We just heard from him, the live news conference in downtown Los Angeles, uh, announcing that two-week suspension of classes for the L.A. Unified School District. Superintendent Butner also mentioned teachers have been tasked with coming up with a 14-day lesson plan for their students and that there will be instruction through the district's own television channel, KLCS, Channel 58, as well as PBS SoCal, which operates uh, KOCE and uh, KCET. So there will be specialized programming aimed at different age groups that will be provided on those uh, on those television channels. We've also just received word that the second largest school district in Los Angeles County, Long Beach Unified, has announced it will close its schools uh, starting this Monday, and they are expected to be closed until April 20th. So they're looking at a month-long closure of Long Beach schools while they determine what to do. Also joining us right now from the Santa Ana Unified School District, uh, he's also been an administrator for Anaheim City Schools and Linwood Unified, Alfonso Jimenez. Mr. Jimenez, thank you, sir, for being with us. Uh, What is your district consider? right now uh, when it comes to closure? Well, for respects to uh, closure, we're currently in executive cabinet having those discussions and coming up with our uh, emergency operations plan should we need to go into a school closure mode. We've been monitoring all the major districts, San Diego, Los Angeles, and now, as you mentioned, Long Beach Unified. And so we're actually having those discussions as we speak. And so we should be making uh, some type of uh, determination probably within the next uh, few hours as to what is our plan moving forward given the other districts are all uh, moving forward with school closures. Yeah, and how much does that affect what you do? Because I would think if you determined you wanted to stay open uh, next week while other districts are closing, that would put a lot of pressure from your teachers and some parents at least um, wondering why you're doing that when others are dismissing. Yeah, and the good thing about uh, Orange County, our, our Department of Education, has been having uh, constant communication with our superintendents. Uh, and so they're all on the same page. They've been communicating uh, the past several days. And we actually were in a, a communication conference call uh, with other Orange County superintendents. And so there's a lot of discussion going on. Okay. So we want to make sure we're all on the same page. And uh, as we move forward and have further discussions, we should be uh, sharing information as to what is our status. With- well, 
school closures. Before I let you go, LA Unified is establishing these uh, partner resource centers, 40 of them in the Massive District. Is that something Santa Ana Unified is comp- uh, contemplating? Uh, that That is one area we're looking at, but I can tell you with respect to our instructional response plan for students is that we have prepared instructional packets for all of the grade levels to ensure that we have equity of access, not only for our students in a general education program, but also our students with disabilities. And so we've also augmented those instructional packets with our online learning platforms. We have a platform called Canvas, and we also have a platform uh, called Google Classroom where teachers have utilized those platforms throughout the year to deliver their instruction. And our students have a one-to-one laptop device beginning in third grade all the way to 12th grade. So our teachers are also augmenting uh, their instruction by utilizing those platforms as well. And so we actually are all hands on decks right now. We're mobilizing. We actually have been having constant communication with our emergency operations command teams. And so this is something that for us is a very uh, routine as we have practiced our emergency operations uh, command response in prior uh, operations or, or prior examples where we've had different incidents. Uh, but for us, we're, okay. we are ready and prepared to right. not only offer instruction via the instructional packets, but also the online platform and also our television station. We do have a local uh, channel, Channel 31 here in Orange County. Does that go to the cable system locally? Yes, that is in the local cable system. And we also can stream online through our SAUSD TV uh, Kaltura app, which allows folks to stream content, anything that we are either broadcasting or we can actually upload videos there as well. So those are some of the other options that we are augmenting with our instructional plan. All right. Make sure that we have access for all. And so one of those ways to do that is you just provide many of the educational core uh, packets that we have based on our current uh, adoption of uh, programs that we have for language arts, math, and science. And so we believe we'll be ready. And- All right. Sir, I want to thank you so much uh, for stepping out of that meeting taking place right now in which Santa Ana Unified is considering suspending uh, the school year. That decision has not been made, though, at this point. Deputy Superintendent for Educational Services, uh, Santa Ana Unified, Alfonso Jimenez, joining us on AirTalk. We're also pleased to have with us from the Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District Community and Public Relations Officer Gail Pinsker, Ms. Pinsker, thank you for being with us. Your district announced yesterday uh, dismissal days. Uh, How many days are we talking about, and will teachers and other staff members be on site during those days? Good morning, Larry. Yes, yesterday we made the decision, similar to how Mr. Jimenez explained, for his school district, we have been convening our emergency operations center and made the decision to have a dismissal day today and Monday, which means no students are on campus. However, our teacher staff have reported to their sites and offices today. And part of that is to prepare for potential longer school closures, which we will be discussing today and over the next couple days. So today and Monday, our teachers and our staff are doing preparation similar to what's been described with other school districts. Um, in order to be ready just in case of uh, lengthier closures. Could there be an announcement about a lengthier closure as soon as today to your school community? 
There may be an announcement later this afternoon. Uh, actually, I'll restate that we will be communicating with all of our families and staff later this afternoon. I don't know the content of that. It is possible that at that time there will be an explanation of an extension of school closures. However, we're not at the stage yet where we're announcing um, out several weeks. We're, we're not uh, decisive on that okay. at this moment. But so today and Monday are the dismissal days at this point. Correct. All right. Thank you, Ms. Pinsker. Gail Pinsker of Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District. Let me take a parent call in here uh, from David in South Pasadena. How are you planning to deal with school closures? Right. We've anticipated this, and I think it's incumbent on parents and, frankly, all community leaders to turn this crisis into an opportunity. And so even at home, just expecting this inevitable news that was announced this morning and last night for our local school district. Um, We've already been whiteboarding out all the ways that we are going to fill the time for our children so that they're not idle and just watching Netflix and playing video games. So we've, you know, enumerated, and I know not every household is able to do things like this, but I do think to the extent we can, we've listed out literally on our family whiteboard Great books you're going to be reading, ways you can serve others, daily exercises, daily house cleaning, spring cleaning, special projects, etc. And I think we're going to use this weekend to try to block out as much time. All right. We'll try to do the same thing at our church. Um, and, you know, this is probably going to extend for a while. So that's why I really think as parents, as adults, as community leaders in whatever capacity, we have to turn this crisis into an opportunity. David, I appreciate it. Sounds like your kids are going to be busy during that period uh, when school is closed. We'll continue our conversation. I'm asking parents how you're going to be dealing with a period when your school uh, is suspending classes. What are your plans to help make it uh, a strong academic period, even with them away from the classroom, if you can? Uh, If you're someone who has to be working during this period, either economically or because uh, you work in the healthcare industry, you're a first responder, you've just got to be there as a result of the spread of COVID-19. How are you handling all this? 866-893-5722. Back in one minute. Good morning. It's Air Talk. I'm Larry Mantle. Good to have you with us. In case you just joined us, LA Unified, along with San Diego and the very large Long Beach Unified School Districts, have announced uh, that effective Monday they are suspending classes. Teachers in LA Unified will be paid during the two weeks that classes will be suspended, and uh, teachers and classified all district personnel will be paid as usual during that period. In LA Unified, 40 re- resource centers, which will have meals, will have uh, educational help for students, Uh, family resources are being set up throughout the L.A. Unified School District. I I just want to mention this very briefly because you might be aware we suspended our spring member drive because of COVID-19 so that we can bring you this in-depth and expanded coverage. Nonetheless, we have to raise money in this period. We are we are dependent on your financial support to bring you the kind of coverage and this kind of 
town hall convening that we do regularly on air talk to hear from people in our community, talk about what challenges they're facing, how they're attempting to be resilient and to deal with them. We have a $100,000 challenge from our founding board member, Gordon Crawford, his wife, Donna Crawford. That challenge is going on right now, so your contribution is doubled. I won't go any longer than this because we've got important stuff to talk about, but please, I ask you, will you please help us with this cause of supporting KPCC right now, 866-888-5722, 866-888-5722, or our, uh, our KPCC website, kpcc.org, to make your contribution yesterday. I spent about 90 seconds, just like today, putting out the request, and we were inundated with listener support. I was deeply moved by it. Thank you, and I appreciate your support today in advance. Uh, Also, just want to let you know, again, because of COVID-19, we are preempting Film Week today. It will not be heard today or tomorrow uh, as a result of the need for extended coverage. Also, uh, President uh, Trump will be addressing... uh, Uh, the nation and reporters with a news conference at noon. We will be bringing you NPR's coverage of President Trump's news conference at noon. He's expected to respond to calls uh, for the federal government to declare a national state of emergency. Let's talk with more parents. Linda, in Culver City, how are you preparing with your daughter? We're actually at a language immersion school, so the teachers have been very... um, supportive with providing us a lot of resources on workbooks and online apps and it's been a very supportive environment so I think with my family we're just going to make the best of this situation. All right Linda I appreciate it. Are are you uh, off work that you're going to be able to do the homeschooling or are you taking time away from work? I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I'm lucky to be able to be home with them. So I think as far as being home with the kids, it'll just be me and my yeah. still going into the office. All right, Linda, thanks. I'm glad that's going to work out. Lunice in South Los Angeles, I understand you work at a restaurant and also uh, drive for a ride-hailing company. What are your plans? you have a couple kids? Yes, um, I have a 10-year-old and a six-year-old, and quite honestly, I'm, I'm a little frustrated because I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, my hours were cut uh, due to slow business um, around the airport area where uh, I am a, a server, and so I've been picking up um, driving um, uh, people to and from, you know, the airport and things to try to make the ends meet, and I'm a single mom, and my child, uh, both of them are in a language immersion school uh, over in Venice, and they uh, canceled school. Um, I just heard here on your radio, and text messages have been coming in to say, come get your kids for the next, you know, two weeks. Yeah. I I just don't know what I'm going to do. Lenise, you speak for a lot of parents who are in very similar circumstances, not knowing what to do. And this at the same time that you're you're dealing with a cut of income because fewer people going to the airport, fewer people going out to eat. You're in you're in a couple of, you know, vulnerable industries. No question. Um, just know we're thinking about you and and. You're not alone going through this challenge. Lenise in South Los Angeles with us on AirTalk. Gabby in Long Beach, uh, real quickly, we're short on time, but I really want to hear how you're planning to deal with this. 
I'm just really concerned as a parent of a special needs student. Um, everything that the superintendent in L.A. was saying was great, but we just got alerted that in Long Beach we're going to be closed for a month. And even if they are offering um, services via computers and phones, uh, our children's curriculum is a little bit different, and we're going to be missing the support services, so they may not be as capable to participate in teleservices for education. And I really feel for the parents who have severely de- developmentally disabled children because um, a lot of them that are working are really you know, dependent on that time that they're in school. So now they're going without yeah. extra care and services as well. Gabby, are, are you in a place where you can be home with your, your son? and a 10-month-old, so oh, okay. already home to begin with. But my partner is an engineer on container ships, and it's, it's going to be really hard for him to get back on another ship because he normally sails to Asia, and all of that has pretty much slowed Oh, man. So we're hoping that, like what the superintendent was saying about possibly mortgages being frozen and rents being frozen with the bailout that Wall Street just got, that some of that gets implemented so nobody gets evicted or loses their home. Yeah, Gabby, I appreciate it. And just like Lenise, our previous caller, um, your your partner in an industry, you know, container cargo, that's being hard hit by this whole thing as well. And this there's so many families that are just in the circumstance that you and Lenise and so many other people are in. Uh, and again, our our hearts go out to you as you you navigate this, particularly with a, a little one who's at home, and then your son, the special needs uh, student, uh, being home as well. You're listening to Air Talk on eighty nine point three KPEC. And I want to encourage our other parents who are calling in to share how they're planning to deal with this news today of many public school districts closing for between two and four weeks period of time. We are going to take more of your calls coming up next hour. Film Week has been preempted so that we can bring you special coverage of COVID-19. We also will be talking with an epidemiologist answering your questions about the virus because I know as we all learn more about the virus, that, of course, gives rise to additional questions. So we're going to be uh, talking about that as well coming up next hour. And then at noon, President Trump with his news conference uh, at the White House, where he is going to be asked about uh, the demand coming, a bipartisan demand, that the federal government declare a state of emergency to free up additional funds and allow quicker response in some areas to the uh, novel coronavirus. So, Rebecca, James, Margaret, please stay on the line, and I invite others to join with them at 866-893-5722. It's Air Talk on 89.3 KPCC. Good morning. It's Air Talk. I'm Larry Mantle. You tuned in for Film Week. My apologies. We're preempting it today. It also will not air tomorrow at noon as we are not doing it live nor recording the program so we can bring you additional coverage of COVID-19, the novel coronavirus. I don't know, for those of you still going into the office, not working at home, it's even a challenge to go to the restroom, try and keep the six-feet buffer at the sink and everybody trying to coordinate it. It's just uh, uh, changing our lives in, in ways small and mundane and, of course, huge for parents who are getting the word that their kids will not be going to class starting next week, or in the case of Santa Monica Malibu District, starting today. 
Um, we're finding out from parents how you're dealing with this with your kids uh, being home with you starting next week if your district has ended up uh, having its classes suspended. Uh, joining us is David in Long Beach. Uh, David, how are you dealing? I understand you're in the healthcare business, so you've got to work, right? Yes, I'm actually front-end management for a retail pharmacy, and we are completely running out of supplies that people are in demand of. We're receiving shipments in periodically of toilet paper, hand sanitizer, things like that on back order. We're not getting these from our suppliers. And it's becoming a concern for me for all these families who are going to be homebound now if they're going to get access to these supplies. If it's in a private market where you're forced to compete for these resources that are considered to be essential in this virus epidemic, pandemic, I should say. Yeah, it's uh, it's got to be so challenging for you to deal with us. And are they giving you any time estimate when they're going to get things like hand sanitizer and, and other uh, sanitation supplies that you can have at the pharmacies? For things like face masks, I know we're at least a few weeks out on that. Wow. Sanitizer, that's uh, that's new. That is going to be out for us. We're not used to not being able to get these supplies like this. It's not something that's a common occurrence. So the estimations on timeframes are getting really hard, especially with the intense demand that is available right now. David, I appreciate your sharing uh, what's going on. Thank you so much. Um, we have an AirTalk listener who tweets at AirTalk, I was hoping to let my 75-year-old parents quarantine as much as possible, but with kids home uh, and my wife and I part of San Diego County's health care response, unfortunately they'll be on the hook to help with child care until probably mid-August. And this is something that I know the school districts are very concerned about. You've got many multi-generational households, uh, like the the listener who's tweeting at AirTalk, and trying to protect the grandparents at home uh, from exposure, and then concerned about what to do. And then, you know, the parents are in, in businesses where they don't have an option to stay home. Sometimes that's financial, of course. It's, um, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily about being a frontline healthcare worker or responder, um, but you just you, you can't afford to stay home. You don't have you don't have uh, sick days that are available to you. Let's take a call from James in West Hollywood. James, I understand you drive for a ride hailing company. Uh, you've got a daughter who'll be off school. What are you going to do? Well, I, you know, I made some bad decisions in my life, and now I'm stuck driving the Uber, and um, she's going to have to ride with me, and I'm only going to have to be able to pick up two people. I can't pick up three people anymore. And to be honest with you, Larry, if I get sick, I'm, I'm going to have to keep driving. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. Wow. Uh, so you're going to be in close quarters with passengers who are, who are riding with you. James, you understand the, the risk you put those people at if you get sick. Yeah, I, I, I terrible uh, situation to be in, but there's really no other way. I mean, I'm just right at the edge of not making it. And well, and, and your daughter too, of course, would potentially be be vulnerable. But yep. what are what are you seeing as as an Uber driver? Are are you seeing your your passenger count go down? Uh, yeah, I'm seeing it go down. Um, today it's up a little bit because it's raining, but um, people are getting in the car too that are you know 
sneezing and coughing already, so it's really <laughs> kind of a moot point. All right, James, we wish you the best and certainly hope you're not going to be in a position where you've got to work if you or your daughter are ill. 866-893-KPECC. Margaret, joining us from Mount Baldy, you're on Air Talk. Hi. Um, I would like to applaud, first of all, LAUSD's uh, sharing of curricular resources. Um, the What was mentioned, I was listening to Austin Butner earlier on your program, um, you know, the PBS and KCET, the, the resources that they're willing to share with other districts, I applaud, applaud them and implore other districts to collaborate and share everything we can at this time. All right. Margaret, I appreciate it very much. Uh, do you have a little one who's going to be home or not? I have grandchildren. Okay. So, um, and, and for those people, I'm a former teacher and principal, um, I would, I have some suggestions. Um, some of the best things you can do is, is ask them questions while they're home with you. Um, questions like, um, you know, what did you notice or what makes you say that? Um, or tell me more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Margaret, I appreciate it. Always good things to have with interactions with your kids or grandkids. Margaret in Mount Baldy joining us on AirTalk. Rebecca in Eagle Rock, how are you coping with this? Hi, I actually pulled my daughter starting today. I wasn't going to wait for LAUSD to make the decision. I'm one of the many people uh, living in an immunocompromised state who live with an autoimmune disease. And my daughter attends a high school that has 2,500 students. And um, uh, many um, who, you know, come from all over the place and and we just could not risk um, the possibility of um, of you and your immunocompromised yeah position being exposed to it so what are you doing with your daughter well my daughter um, will be using the resources that LAUSD is going to provide um, through PBS SoCal. Um, the LAUSD uses Schoolology as a program. Teachers will be able to provide resources to students. Um, the students in her classes are all going to be communicating through Discord and through Schoolology, keeping in touch. And um, So you're, you're hoping the educational experience can can continue for your daughter using those resources. Rebecca, I appreciate it very much. Uh, let's take a final parental call from Melissa in Laverne. Um, Melissa, I understand you're making an offer to uh, some of your neighbors. Yes, I'm a stay-at-home mom and other stay-at-home moms that um, are in my community. We've kind of made a, a joint effort to offer to our friends who have to work to use us as childcare because uh, it's a community effort and we kind of, we need to step up in this case. That is so nice. So you're making your home available. Have you had any friends take you up on the offer yet or you expect your phone's going to be ringing later today? Probably my phone will be ringing later today. Our school district has not shut down officially yet, but um, I'm waiting to kind of 
Yeah, I would uh, be prepared because my guess is the dominoes will start falling and that district after district is going to respond to what L.A., Long Beach, San Diego, what these large school districts are doing. Melissa, thank you very much and very kind of you to offer your your home that way. You can still share on our AirTalk page, kpecc.org, how you as a parent are going to handle your child being off school during this period of class suspension while districts figure out how long it's going to last and ways that they'll be able to provide educational resources uh, to their students. We continue our conversation with a chance to answer your questions on COVID-19, the coronavirus. Very pleased to have with us epidemiologist Dr. Timothy Brewer. He's professor of medicine at UCLA School of Public Health. He's also been a member of the advisory boards of the World Health Organization, the National Institutes of Health, and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Dr. Brewer, thank you for joining us today on AirTalk. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, share with us first your thoughts on uh, the schools closing, uh, so many of the districts closing off classes. In L.A.'s case, opening these 40 resource centers. you have any concerns ab- about potential risk from the resource centers, um, and, and particularly with parents and grandparents coming in and using those facilities? So um, what I'd first like to do is quickly respond to two of the comments. One, the the woman who kindly offered to watch other people's kids. That That's actually critical. You know, we're all in this together. And if we're going to get through this to the best way possible, we got to help each other out. So I was really delighted to hear that. The second was just the comment about how the pharmacy is outside of um, – out of mass and likely to be out for several several weeks. Do not go out and buy masks. They will not help you at all. And all it means is that when I work in the hospital, when the nurses work in the hospital, we have no masks available to protect ourselves or the patients when we're seeing critically ill patients with Good point. viruses. So I, I just wanted to make those two points very Quick. Very good, and and now on the resource centers, do you, do you? I understand they're going to be taking people's temperatures before they they enter, but do you have concerns that now you're not just going to have kids and teachers and classified staff together, but other family members going into those centers? So uh, the the challenge facing us right now is we really don't know the extent of community transmission in L.A. County of the virus because we just don't have that much testing. As far as we know, there hasn't been a whole lot of virus in the state, right? So according to the Department of Public Health, we're talking about uh, under 200 confirmed cases in a population of about 34 to 38 million people, right? So that's not a lot of a lot of disease. So your risk of exposure should be very low if those numbers are accurate. 
All right. We're talking with Dr. Timothy Brewer, UCLA, joining us on AirTalk. Our phone lines are open for your questions at 866-893-KPECC, 866-893-5722, or the AirTalk page, kpecc.org. One of my KPECC colleagues was telling me about a, uh, a family member who works in a hospital in the Pacific Northwest, said that patients have been helping themselves to gloves and masks from exam rooms and supply closets. They're dealing with a terrible theft problem in the hospitals um, at this hospital in the Pacific Northwest, 866-893-5722. Dr. Brewer, at this point, where are the locations where people who suspect, uh, or at least showing symptoms of some sort of a flu, um, where they can get tested? So, So right now, if you have symptoms of flu, particularly if you're in a high-risk group, you're over the age of 60 or 65, you have associated heart or lung disease, the best thing to do is reach out to your health care provider. So as of last week, LA Public Health did have access to COVID-19 testing, and the plan is to continue to roll that out. And that's a rapidly changing situation. So the best thing for any one individual to do would be to contact their doctor, nurse practitioner, or other healthcare provider, because it is a rapidly changing situation. All right. Are there private labs? Um, Governor uh, Newsom yesterday talked about Quest Labs, uh, which is a private company with a large number of locations, being able to do the tests. Do you know if people can walk in there? Uh, no, you, you, can't, you can't walk in and, and just get a test. So you will need to get it through a, through a health care provider. But you are correct that Quest and other private companies are offering the test and will be expanding testing capacity over time. We're talking with UCLA epidemiologist and professor of medicine, Dr. Timothy Brewer. He's a public health specialist. Joining us to answer your questions at 866-893-KPECC or the AirTalk page, kpecc.org. We have a physician going by Dr. R. in Long Beach, uh, who I understand, uh, doctor, you have a lot of seniors who are part of your primary care practice. Your, your question, please. Uh, yes, actually, I wanted to know if it is uh, okay to tell those patients, those seniors, to not to come to the office for a routine follow-up and visit and stay home under these circumstances. Uh, and 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 so not to come into the to, for you to treat them over the phone then, or what? What would you have in lieu of an in-person visit? I'm talking about some, uh, you know, routine. Oh, okay, like coming in for their physical or routine test results. All right, Dr. R., thank you. Uh, Dr. Brewer? So I think we will find as, as the number of cases increases, we will have to postpone elective and routine procedures to deal with the, the infected people who are symptomatic and require health care. Um, it's it's a judgment call. It depends on what the what the appointment is for. Certainly, I would not discourage people with chronic illnesses who need to be evaluated by their health care providers from seeing their health care providers. 
the the caveat is if you are sick with flu-like symptoms, if you have fever and cough, please call your doctor's office before you go so they can make sure to have appropriate steps to both protect you and the other patients in the office before you arrive. All right, we'll continue our conversation with epidemiologist, professor at UCLA School of Public Health, Dr. Timothy Brewer. We're at 866-893-KPCC. In addition to your calls, we'll talk about the low number of confirmed cases in the state of California versus what's thought might be out there uh, in the absence of easily available testing. How do public health officials even get a sense of the scope of the number of people uh, who've been exposed to the virus? You're listening to Air Talk on 89.3 KPCC. Film Week is preempted this week so that we can bring you this special additional coverage of COVID-19. Back in one minute. It's Air Talk. I'm Larry Mantle. Just following up on what A. Martinez said, we suspended our spring member drive to bring you this in-depth coverage of COVID-19. Obviously, news is what we're here to bring you and also to answer your questions with our expert, Dr. Timothy Brewer of UCLA. But we do have a $100,000 challenge that's going on right now. Um, And uh, Gordon Crawford, our our founding board member, his wife, Donna, have issued this very generously. Please give now to support this coverage, if you will. We can't take the time to lay out all the reasons why. I trust you know why, and I trust you believe the need is real. So please support us now. 866-888-5722 or kpcc.org. We need the financial resources that you provide during this time of year right now to be able to bring you this kind of coverage. Dr. Brewer, I I wanted to ask you about the fewer than 200 uh, confirmed cases of the coronavirus in California. Um, With the testing being so bare bones at this point, how do we get a handle on what the real extent of the spread is? That's a terrific question, and the short answer is... Um, there is no good way short of testing. When I see a patient in the hospital, I cannot tell you what respiratory virus they have without a test. So there's no clinical way to distinguish influenza from COVID-19, for example, not, not reliably. And so until we get testing rolled out more broadly, it will be difficult to know the true extent of community spread. Tanya in West L.A. says, my husband is a physician practicing in Beverly Hills, and the tests are not available. It sounds like at his office only 10 tests have been provided. I want to make the point physicians are not able to get the tests, and these numbers are not going to be accurate. Dr. Brewer? So... I think that is true that uh, we do need to roll the testing out more broadly. Um, Right now, you will either have to go through the L.A. County Public Health Department. You'll have to go through one of the few places like UCLA where they are capable of doing in-house testing, but that will only be available for hospitalized patients or your physician is going to have to go through Quest or some other commercial laboratory. That's why I was wondering, in Tanya's husband's case, 
why he doesn't refer them to Quest or another laboratory where they can go and have the testing. There's no reason it would have to be done in the physician's office, right? Correct. You could you could send out the test. That is correct. All right. Herald in West Los Angeles referencing um, the recent information that it appears that COVID-19 can be in the air for hours after someone who's ill has been in that space. Uh, also, that it can last particularly on solid surfaces for an extended period of time. How might that affect our safety measures? Because in that case, with the six-foot buffer even be beneficial if the droplets are hanging in the air? So there are no good data right now to suggest that COVID-19 spreads by airborne infection. So the difference is droplet disease, which is most respiratory viruses, when you cough or sneeze, the droplets are heavy enough that they only travel short distances and immediately fall to the ground. In contrast to disease like tuberculosis, which is airborne, the droplets are very small and they float in the air. We have not seen good evidence that that happens with COVID-19. And if you look at the data from China, the people at highest risk are close contacts, like household contacts for a prolonged period of time. That's most consistent with droplet spread, not airborne spread. Respiratory viruses can live on surfaces, but they tend to die rather rapidly. So how important surfaces are in transmission is still unknown, but there are data coming out of Singapore, for example, that suggests that routine cleaning measures kill viruses on surfaces. So uh, if you're making sure that you're cleaning your surfaces or you're washing your hands after touching potentially contaminated surfaces, that should lower your risk substantially. Dr. Timothy Brewer, epidemiologist, professor of medicine at UCLA, joining us on AirTalk. We're at 866-893-5722. We've had a number of listeners ask for someone who becomes ill with COVID-19 and recovers, are they still susceptible for getting the virus and getting sick again? So we don't actually know that yet because we're still very early on in the pandemic. But for most respiratory viruses, and there's no reason to believe that COVID-19 will be different, you do become immune and you don't get it a, a second time. But that's one of the important research questions that we need to figure out as as soon as possible. Uh, we have uh, Aaron in Santa Monica who asks, if you don't have a primary care physician, where do you go? If you don't have insurance, where do you go to get tested? I think the lack of insurance is a huge problem, and it's one of the challenges we will have compared to some other countries where um, health insurance is available to all all citizens. I would assume you would need to go either to an emergency room or an urgent care clinic if you do not have a primary care physician. And people can still be enrolled in Medi-Cal if, they're, if they meet the lower income um, thresholds there for Medi-Cal, right? Because there are some people who qualify who, for whatever reason, don't sign up for it. Certainly anybody who does qualify for health insurance should take steps to, to access that. 
All right. We have another listener, Dia in Beverly Hills, wondering uh, she goes to physical therapy regularly. Is that something she should be concerned about going into the physical therapy office? So what we're recommending is that if people are symptomatic with respiratory illness, if you have a fever, myalgias, cough, sore throat, please stay home until you feel better. If we all do that, that will minimize the chance of spreading virus in these casual situations. But at least for now, casual contact does not seem to be a high risk. It seems to be more close contact for extended periods of time, particularly in contained areas such as a household. Now, you were mentioning it's unlikely someone could be uh, reinfected with the virus uh, once they've had it one time. Um, We have Elon in Santa Monica who asks, um, would a test show if someone had previously been exposed to the virus, even if they were not you know, ill, they had recovered from it. So there are ways to do that. Briefly to talk about testing, there are two ways to test for infection. One is to test for the actual pathogen, the virus in this case, and that's the PCR tests that are currently being rolled out. The second is to test the immune response to the infection, usually an antibody test or serology. And so that would be a way to test if someone had previously been infected and recovered. But as yet, we do not have serology tests routinely available. I have no doubt that somebody is working on them and they will become available going forward. We're talking with Dr. Timothy Brewer, UCLA uh, School of Public Health, joining us where he's professor and uh, epidemiologist as well. Uh, Let's talk with Heather in Mid-City, Los Angeles. Good to have you with us. Thanks, Larry. Um, My question is kind of one about social responsibility at this point. Since um, asymptomatic people can be carriers, um, and can be shedding the virus at any time as far as we know now is the socially responsible thing to do to follow the more stringent social distancing uh, uh, advice that's out there, kind of like herd immunity advice, if you will. Yeah. Nobody has immunity. No, good, good question, Dr. Brewer. So I think that's a very reasonable response. Since we do not know the extent of transmission within the community at this moment, even though it's probably low, it would be reasonable for all of us to practice social distancing at this point and try to maintain a a three to six foot distance if we can. The other thing that's really important is try to wash your hands before eating, make sure you cover your mouth or nose with your elbow or a Kleenex uh, if you cough or sneeze, and again, washing your hands after you cough or sneeze. All of those will help to reduce the risk of spreading the virus. All right. Uh, Thank you, Heather. I appreciate it very much. We also had someone ask about purchasing produce at the supermarket um, in case someone, their hands were unclean, they were handling produce. Can the sort of typical washing that people do at home once they get the produce home, is that sufficient or do you need more rigorous cleaning of fruit and produce? 
No evidence to suggest that you need more rigorous cleaning. And typical washing of produce should be fine. And certainly anything that's cooked will be will be totally fine. So this is a a virus that is not particularly hardy. It's relatively easy to kill. So so routine washing of your hands with soap and water is is totally fine. Washing produce should be should be fine and certainly cooking would be more than adequate. Let's talk with Ilana in Pasadena, who's a primary care physician. Thank you, uh, doctor, for calling us. Go right ahead. Oh, hi. Uh, I just wanted to clear up, I think, one slight misunderstanding that might have occurred when I was listening earlier. Um, So Quest and LabCorp both have the testing uh, for the coronavirus, but uh, you you do need to do that at a doctor's office. I wasn't sure if somebody said, well, you know, couldn't you just send them to the lab? You cannot send to the lab. The labs will not do it that way. You can't send like a kit to the person's home. The patient does need to come to the doctor's office and have a swab, um, you know, done of the, the nose and throat, and then the the lab will pick up that specimen and run it. And it's probably going to take, you know, five to seven days to come back would be my guess. Um, and most of the offices that we've talked to in the area, including the urgent care, are not doing this yet for a variety of reasons, including worry about um, exposing um, other patients to the staff, et cetera. And, you know, recommendations were changing so quickly that in the beginning of the week, the requirement was that you had to have like the full gear with the N95 masks, which most primary care doctors don't have. And then they kind of loosened those recommendations. So uh, I just wanted to make that clear. Sure. I appreciate a lot. So do you have the collection kits at your practice? Yeah, so we do. Um, We, uh, and we actually just sent a, a sample yesterday, you know, the, the LA public health uh, is right now, well, this was as of yesterday, there's a, uh, you know, we'll see what they say today, but as of yesterday, we're still saying they don't consider this sort of surge um, level. And so be judicious in who you test for it. All right. Dr. Uh, Ilana, thank you. Dr. Brewer, your, your response to that, that, um, it's it's still uh, comparatively rare for primary care physicians to do the specimen collection to pass on to the labs. So so a couple of points. First, um, I, I appreciate in case there was some confusion. Right, what actually gets sent to the lab is a specimen, not a person. So that was a, a terrific point to make. The the second point around. Uh, what precautions need to be in place to collect the samples, it, it is rapidly changing, and that's unfortunate because it's causing a lot of confusion. So initially, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention actually did a combination of sort of what was called enhanced airborne precautions, and now they're doing something that's closer to what is uh, droplet or respiratory precautions, and that's creating a lot of confusion for doctors and nurses, and I understand, and that was that was really unfortunate. I, I think the main point around testing right now is there's just not a lot of capacity, so please do not go to your doctor's office because you are worried. 
uh, please allow us to focus on those people who are actually ill so we can deal with the most ill people first, make sure they're appropriately tested, and then as testing capacity increases, it can be, it can be broadened. Dr. Brewer, I really appreciate your spending this time with us talking about COVID-19, and I look forward to speaking with you in the days ahead. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We appreciate it. UCLA professor of medicine, epidemiologist, Dr. Brewer has also uh, been an advisor to the World Health Organization, National Institutes of Health, and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The Pasadena Star News is reporting Pasadena Unified School District uh, is also suspending classes until April 6th. Pasadena Star News reporting PUSD suspending classes until April 6th, uh, joining suspensions of classes in LA Unified, the Long Beach School District, uh, Santa Monica Malibu uh, dismissing classes for today and Monday, also considering a longer term suspension of classes as so many other districts are considering too. I'd like to hear from you if you work in the entertainment industry, what sorts of changes you've seen in your work as a result of COVID-19. We're getting reports of production activity grinding to a halt. I'd like to hear from you if you work in the business. 866-893-KPCC or the Airtalk page, kpcc.org, back in 90 seconds. It's Air Talk on 89.3 KPCC. Good morning. I'm Larry Mantle. Film Week preempted this week, but we're going to talk about the entertainment business momentarily. If you work in it, it's your livelihood. What are you experiencing with the productions that you're a part of? Or maybe you're in an ancillary business that's dependent on production. That, too, important to hear from you, 866-893-KPCC. Coming up in 20 minutes, President Trump with a news conference. We'll have NPR's live coverage at noon. The president expected to respond to calls that he declare a national state of emergency to deal with COVID-19. Joining us to talk about the state of production is the president of Film LA, the official LA city and county office that oversees filming here locally, Paul Audley. Paul, thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. Can you quantify what's happened to filming locally? Yeah, we've seen um, week after, from last week to this week, about a 15% drop in applications uh, and interestingly, you know, this is sort of a rapidly developing. The, early in the week, we only had four permits canceled um, voluntarily by companies, and they were related to people who didn't want to travel or the inability to get the product or the commercial from uh, China, so they were not localized. But since then, we've had 25 that are local productions that are canceling specifically because of the virus or virus concerns. Now, does that include... Uh for example, the L.A.-based uh, late-night talk shows like Jimmy Kimmel and others that are going on hiatus. They first suspended live audiences. Now many of these shows, I understand, are just uh, going to go into rebroadcast temporarily. Is that is that something your office follows? Uh, we do follow it. It's not included in the numbers I just gave you, though. These are actually film permits for on-location work. Okay. We are also following, along with a lot of the other media sources, uh, what's going on more generally in production. 
as it will impact future film permits as well. All right. Again, I'd love to hear from you if you work in the business, an AirTalk listener uh, describing for us what you're dealing with. Frank in Sherman Oaks, I understand you scout for locations. What's What are you seeing in these past few days? Um, yeah, just a lot of slowdown and uh, people concerned about even hosting filming. Uh, it's hard to just kind of continue scouting and telling people that, you know, we're anticipated to have a two-week hiatus, but then um, continue working hopefully after is what I'm still currently scouting for. Now, I don't know if you're a union or guild member, but if so, have have they been communicating with you about what's going on? Yes, they have communicated the CDC uh, resources. Um, I am a Teamster. It's local 399 uh, that does provide resources as far as, you know, the best steps to take, which is just being announced everywhere. All right. Uh, Frank, thank you. We, we wish you the best. Thanks for sharing what's going on for you uh, as uh, a scouter of locations. Let's talk about what's happening with the release of films. Brent Lang, executive editor for Film and Media at Variety. Brent, thank you for joining us. How are studios responding to this um, at the release side of this with films? Are they, are they holding back significant uh, titles at this point? Yes, they're moving them a lot deeper into the calendar and kind of hoping that that this situation will resolve itself uh, within a few months. So basically what you're looking at is no major studio releases coming out between about March and May, at the end of May. Wow. So uh, I saw that Mulan is, is, is being backed up by Disney. Yes, they've moved Mulan uh, indefinitely. Um, Universal has moved the ninth Fast and Furious film by a year. Uh, Quiet Place 2 has also moved the James Bond film. So that's a huge number of very big titles that have all kind of vacated the the stage. And uh, that Baz Luhrmann uh, film uh, that Tom Hanks is is working on, uh, the Elvis Presley biopic, its, its production's been suspended in Australia. Of course, because of uh, Hanks uh, getting uh, getting the disease. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And just an aside about how how nice. If you ever wonder, Tom Hanks really is nice. Uh, it, nice uh, email outreach from Tom Hanks asking how I'm doing. Here he is with coronavirus and concerned about me. I thought that was very. Um, very much in character for Tom and Rita, and we appreciate longtime friends of KPCC and supporters of us. We wish them all the best as they recover from COVID-19 in Australia. We're at 866-893-KPCC or the AirTalk page, kpcc.org. Lindsay in North Hollywood, good to have you with us. Lindsay, what are you experiencing with your business? Hi, good morning, Larry. Um, we are, I own a specialty costume prop and uh, makeup effects company here in North Hollywood. And um, we are trying to figure out how to keep our doors open and how to keep our people paid, uh, you know, while production is pretty much just grinding to a complete halt here. I'm um, trying to figure out, you know, especially some of our some of our team are union and some of them don't have their days yet. And how are they going to be able to pay their bills and get health care, you know, if they get sick? Yeah. So are, are you going to um, have to lay off your staff or, or, or suspend paying them at some point, do you think? Well, I mean, for us, we, you know, we have a pretty small core team that we have right now working. We're trying to do everything we can to make sure that, 
you know, like I said, we're getting any job that comes our way, everything like that, just so we can keep people paid as long as possible. Um, but, you know, this is a completely gig-based industry. Everything yeah. is just what jobs are available. So when there's just no jobs available for anybody, especially for a small I think we just lost Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. I really appreciate your sharing that. Uh, Beth said, don't forget live theater. Oh, we won't. I assure you, Beth. Uh, Sakerstrom and Costa Mesa closed yesterday. Music Center closed for the rest of the month, if not longer. I have no idea when I'll next be able to work. Beth, we absolutely, and yesterday we reported once those closures came down, and there were also smaller theaters that are trying uh, to deal with this as well. It's just, it has put performers, uh, support personnel, associated businesses in a very, very difficult spot. 866-893-KPCC or our AirTalk page, kpcc.org. Tommy in Newhall, you're a musician, I understand. Um, Share with us what's going on with your career. I'm flying under the radar for a moment um, because I'm just playing at the bars, but they're starting to cancel a little bit. All my friends are coming back in town from their tours and they're hitting me up for work because you know their tours have been canceled um and everybody's saying i can you know record your music remotely i can go live in my studio and you guys can help pay me that way um because these, these gigs are getting canceled i'm waiting for maybe the bars not to be busy and maybe next week I start getting a ton of cancellations because I play like 30 times a month, you know. Wow. So you, you, you're one of those bar musicians who's heavily employed. It, uh, doing those many performances, is this your primary source of income? Yeah, this is all I do. Um, we do real well. Um, but, you know, I, I do keep it local. I'm not a touring musician. Um, but a lot of my friends are out of work and they're coming back to L.A., and they're trying to do the hustle any way that they can by, you know, recording remotely for people or just trying to have them fill in for my group. Um, So people are a little stressed. I can understand, Tommy. Thank you for sharing that experience. And, um, we know how talented you must be with, with that kind of booking, 30, 30 nights a month. 866-893-KPECC. To get an international perspective, let's talk with Deadline's international box office editor and senior contributor, Nancy uh, Tartaglione. Uh, Nancy, thank you for being with us. You're in France. Uh, I know it's very late there. Thanks for staying up to talk with us. But um, what's your sense of how many people are getting out to theaters there? Well, um, certainly in France, you know, we, we, things, things are changing almost on an hourly basis uh, everywhere internationally at this point. Um, in France, we didn't see a massive impact in the month of February. Uh, the box office was down, but it was more so to do with uh, just a difference in what last year's lineup was at the same time. Um, but you know, today we've we've seen uh, some of the biggest uh, bigger chains in Spain close uh, close their doors as Spain announced a state of emergency. In France, we've had uh, a ban now on gatherings of more than a hundred people in the same place. So 
our cinemas are expected to stay open, but at a, a far you know reduced capacity in terms of screenings. And then uh, this is just uh, it's just unprecedented and just continues to spread. And there will be a great impact on global box office uh, for the year. Uh, we don't know obviously how things are going to go in the states. So we just saw that that AMC. Uh, is going to reduce its auditorium capacity going forward, and uh, you know we're 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 just it, it feels in some cases, uh, particularly here in France, it feels like we're almost just at the start of it. Yeah. Um, you know, Italy's been shut down for for a little bit. Uh, yeah, and and the biggest thing I can say is you know what it's been a constant refrain. It's just uncharted uncharted waters. And as as you were discussing earlier with Brent. You know, one of the concerns also going forward is uh, that there's not going to really be product. So even if some cinemas are staying open, you know, what are they what are they going to be playing? And are people going to to want to go out to the movies? You know, is it is it safe to go into the water? And you've, of course, even though it's a far smaller film industry than the U.S., the French film industry, highly significant and highly influential. And I assume there that productions are being affected similarly as they are here in Southern California. Nancy, thank you for sharing with us what's going on there on this Friday night for you. Nancy Tartaglione, international box office editor and senior contributor to Deadline. Also, we want to thank Brent Lang, executive editor for Film and Media at Variety. We have so many listeners in the television and film industry who want to share what's going on, and we want to hear from you. We'll be back in just one minute on Air Talk. So good to have you with us on Air Talk. I'm Larry Mantle. We're talking about film and television, even though we preempted Film Week so that we can bring you coverage of COVID 19. And again, I want to reiterate. We paused our spring member drive so that we can bring you this in-depth coverage. But I ask you, please, we have a $100,000 challenge from Gordon and Donna Crawford. Um, Gordon is uh, our founding board member, and uh, it's hard to overstate what he's done for Southern California Public Radio. We want to fulfill this. We do need to raise money right now, so I leave it at that. You've been so responsive when I just spend 30 seconds on it, and I deeply appreciate it. It means so much to all of us here. 866-888-5722 or kpcc.org. Let's talk next with Oh, Michelle, I understand you just got laid off. I'm so sorry to hear that. Please tell us about it. Thank you. Yes, I I work for an independent uh, record label and events company, and all of our events are canceled. And uh, we just couldn't sustain, uh, I guess, keeping the staff on board. So there's there's probably at least uh, 60% of the staff that got laid off. A few people are staying, but the, there's no income in the foreseeable future. Michelle, do you have any kind of a safety net to... to get you through this unfortunately no i don't my, i have a second job as a dog walker and dog sitter so i've had my own dog boarding business for five years because the music business has been so volatile over you know since the days of napster i get laid off a lot but i'll tell you what i've been laid off seven times now in 22 years never from a virus all of my dog business is being canceled no one's traveling i literally do not know what i'm going to do oh michelle so sorry to hear it and 
Thank you. You know, I, 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 I hope it helps that you're not alone. Maybe that's small solace, but um, you're certainly in, in company of many, many people that are going through this hugely financially stressful time. Michelle, I appreciate your call. Edward in Pasadena, uh, I understand you both do, you do both film production and uh, musical touring artists. Is that right? I'm not an artist. I'm a um, support staff. I'm a lighting designer. Um, my concern is that most of the touring that we do, the band that I'm with, is heavily dependent upon Indian gaming facilities as well as overseas touring. We just got noticed that the Glastonbury Festival in England may fold. That's not until June. But we're also seeing cancellations voluntarily because the band just doesn't want to you know, tour like this, we haven't had any official notifications from the facilities themselves like Morongo, Pachanga, and so forth. But we're, we're, we know that's only a matter of time, and then we're all dead in the water. Yeah, and I know for artists, I think you, you work with the Isley Brothers and others, these artists have had a whole revival because of the casinos, the fair circuits where they're highly paid acts that are doing it overseas, as you mentioned. So some of these classic artists, I don't know if it's the case with the ones you work with, Edward, but I know some of these making bigger money now than they did back when they were, when they were young artists. Oh, much better, yeah. It's, it's not just standing pat. Um, the, the, that's a major source of revenue for acts like mine. It's a major source. 75, maybe 80% of the annual revenue comes from Indian gaming facilities. Oh, Edward, so sorry to hear this, and we wish you the best. Uh, hopefully, um, this won't last long, and people will start going out to shows again. Let's see, we have Matthew in Silver Lake. Matthew, what are you experiencing? Um, similarly, actually, I was supposed to be at Morongo this Saturday and they, oh, wow. Well, uh, they canceled the gig. They did. Uh, just had two months of touring, uh, cancel basically in the course of three days. Uh, everything just went away. Um, can you share which artist you're working with? Uh, I was just transitioning, uh, to work with an artist named Claro. Uh, we were just working uh, at the forum opening for Tame Impala. Uh, they still have a couple dates that they haven't officially canceled, but we're we're pretty confident that those will go away as well. So this is true, I assume, for all your friends who are crew members too, right? Everybody's in the same boat. Yeah, we have you know, there's text threads of of engineers and just other other crew people, just you know, everyone kind of going back and forth about oh, this just canceled, that just canceled. You know, it's it, every hour basically. Yeah. All right, Matthew, thanks for filling us in. We're with you in spirit. Uh, Dijon uh, says he's a key grip on a show that was scheduled to wrap up by Wednesday, but Universal's been shut down. It's hard. said, I'm going to work on a documentary, but the core crew's in Italy. So that project is uncertain. It seems the show's are, are uh, closing right and left. Uh, and Andrew in Santa Monica says, I'm a background actor, union member. I was 
was on a production last night. We had to send someone home who started to cough. My director said, I was very concerned, uh, acting out of an abundance of caution. You can share what's going on with you if you work in the entertainment industry, the effects of COVID-19 on our AirTalk page at kpcc.org. Coming up next, NPR's live coverage of President Trump's news conference from the White House in which he's expected to respond to calls that the federal government should declare a national state of emergency for the novel coronavirus. Have a good afternoon from all of us at AirTalk.